doing yeah we're recording now uh i don't know i don't i'm i think the argument i've been having with myself internally is am i more down this week compared to last week uh that's a fair question i was really down last week uh partially because i went to la and that was like tiring Mm. and it's i mean i hung out with my wife the whole time and i like came back just exhausted emotionally not from like pretty much just from the game so yeah uh this week i don't know it's like a game i did not feel like we were gonna win it would have been sick if we would have but that's a really really good ball club and we're missing a lot of really really good players on ours so i was like the loss probably is gonna happen it's just a matter of how hard it hits you emotionally uh the ass beating did, it's like, dude, we went into the second half thinking like, holy shit, we might turn this around. And then it just got like we had a defensive stop on the first possession and then shit just hit the fan. It's like, all right. Yeah, that kind of hurt. Hold that thought. Welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast. If you listen to this day, it comes out. It is Wednesday, October 20th. We are 24 hours away from a game day, folks. You feel me? This is Kevin along with Raleigh. Yeah. And uh yeah, we're going to get to the Broncos of the second half of this podcast with a good interview with our friend Cam from the Mainly Broncos podcast. But now, our job here, and again, we don't see ourselves as heroes. We put our pants on one leg at a time like everyone else. I don't know why you might do something weird. Um, I'm, a, I'm a hero. But, but we're going to sit here and, and talk about this Arizona Cardinals game on Sunday. Um, first things first, might be in the minority of this. It doesn't matter. I hate 4 p.m. games. I hate 4 p.m. games. I hate late night games. I don't. I don't mind prime time. It's just that in betweener spot. I can't stand. Now I, I hate prime time games. They never it. start. The channel never gets to go to your game on time because some game runs over. I hate. Weird. I hate prime time games worse than I hate 4 p.m. games. Uh, prime time games. I'm like, dude. I, I want the Browns to start quicker. Like 4 p.m. I still went to bed at like a reasonable time i guess Mm -hmm. i'm all about let's just get this show on the road thursday nights are a little bit or monday night games are cool thursday night games this particular one i'm irritated because we're just so hurt um this applies not to the the fan side of me fan sidedness of me Um, our team is so hurt right now I think players hate Thursday night games because you only get four days of rest before you have to go toe to toe with another set of gladiators. And it's like, give these a break on the flip side. We have a, essentially a mini bye week afterwards. Yeah. We just need to figure out how to do whatever the hell needs to be done to get a win this game. So again, those of you living under Iraq or under the 480 bridge, shout out to all our friends under the 480 bridge. Browns lost 37 to 14 on Sunday. Uh, Kyler Murray and them boys came in and took care of some business. And this franchise coach all the way on down will tell you they're never, ever, ever going to talk about refs or injuries as being a result of this. And yeah, a lot of arguments can be made for both sides of that. But uh, it's hard to even think ahead to Thursday night because as of right now, the recording of this Tuesday night, we don't even know who's, we don't know who's playing on Thursday night. We know our (laughs) running backs are out. Uh, we know at least one of our tackles is probably going to be out. I, I don't know. I, we don't know if Jarvis is playing. So by the time people are listening to this on Wednesday, hopefully some of these questions are answered. But I guess we'll just reflect on the Arizona game for now. What was your least favorite moment of that game besides the score in the end? Uh, what killed you the most? Is there one time during that game? Uh, I think that there was a couple <laughs> – 
certainly a plural answer. But if you were to say the most, um, I don't know if it was the was it the first time that the uh, Cardinals scored where it was like third and twenty two. They're on like the thirty or something, and then they end up getting a touchdown. They converted several third and longs. Okay, honestly. you know what it was? Um, it was when DeAndre Hopkins caught a ball. Uh, I think it was the it was the first half, maybe second half. I don't know. That whole game was a freaking blur of despair. But he caught a ball like five yards before converting what the the first down when they were on third down, and he made this. I don't know if it was a sick move or a terrible tackling effort. I think JOK might have been one of the guys burned on it too. Did you say the turnover of what you call it of despair? It was a blur of despair. Oh, okay. Keep going. Um, that freak, cool little move DeAndre Hopkins did to score. That one was on third like, and thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, make the tackle so that it's fourth and three, or you know alternatively let him make a sick move and uh, walk into the end zone. No, he didn't walk into the end zone. It was a great play on his end, but that he was kind of have. a kick in, he could that have. Was a kick in the gut. That was my least favorite moment too. Um, give you a number real quick here. In the last three games, our defense has given up 117 points. Excuse me. Excuse me. Our three losses, we've given up 117 points. Um, that doesn't really buy or bode well for success in the NFL. The reason why or that play, N- or NBA games, true, also very true. Yes, even though it's three combined games, but it's either here nor there. What kills me the most is it happened in the previous game. It happened in the Cardinals game. Is it's not just DeAndre Hopkins scored that touchdown. There wasn't a brown jersey in the TV frame. We got some big TVs now, y'all. It's twenty twenty one. We see a lot of that field. There was not a receiver <laughs> yeah. even 30 or 40 yards. So when you say, did he walk in? No. Could he have? Yes. Again, there was a lot of debate after that. A lot of people said it was cover two and Ronnie tried to play hero ball, went off and, and lost him. And that was his guy, whatever. But the, the point is there's so, and this has been the debate on Cleveland radio and the blogs everywhere, the last, whatever. And are we here? Are we saying Joe Woods on the hot seat or any of that shit? No. Really? I, I think his seat. Uh, I think he's going to be under a bigger microscope. It's not like he's going to get fired if we lose on Thursday night. It's not that. But now that it's, there were six games in, and we said this, we said we get a few games here to kind of feel things out. We got eight or nine new starters. The problem that I'm having, though, with this is we know the na- we know these players out there. We know the talent. We've seen the talent. They're proven talent. The fact that these blown coverages keep happening, and they're not just you know little you know chippy blown coverages – the gaps in coverage that these other wide receivers are getting against us is it doesn't take a football genius to be like, huh, the scheme is a little uh, questionable. Not to question Woods. He knows what he's doing. I, but, I, dude, I, you keep going. Sorry. No, but I'm saying no one. It, here's, here's football 101 for people who, don't, who are dumb people like me. When there's not a defender on the TV screen for multiple touchdowns over the last few weeks against us, that's a concern. Yes, I agree. But I'm saying, this is the most armchair GM I've ever played. They have oh, yeah. they have talent. Yes, on the defensive side of the ball, big time. Joe Woods had his pass last year because he didn't have any players. I get that, and I'm not somebody that's you know quick to just say, "Oh, we need to fire this coach. We need to get this new player." Or whatever. It's like the guys we have are the guys we have. But I'm like, okay, he had they had a very good game against Chicago. On the defensive side of the ball, they had a very good game against uh, the uh, Vikings. I thought they played well in Kansas City against Mahomes and company, but they have been getting lit up. And like you said, those those broken plays, they're not just kind of broken plays. It's like the guy's in his own area code. and Multiple times. And so you have these, like, is he trying to bend the players to his scheme and is it not working? Cause something needs to change. Either he needs to change something or they need to change something. Cause it's like, well, what do you have to lose? Here's what, and I know we're going to flip back and forth on different sides of the ball. Here's what I did not put enough weight in before this game. And 
again, not a single player coach would ever say this, but holy cow, does missing both and it sh- this is, sounds like a no, no shit, Sherlock. Excuse me, mom, Mrs. Davis. Missing both your starting tackles, one who was all pro, one who had a great rookie career, a rookie season, excuse me, makes a big difference. Yeah, that's the big difference. The announcer said it that Baker was just running for his life. And the only thing that matters in the NFL is your offensive line and your defensive line and your quarterback and your secondary. But the offensive line is a huge part of it. Not if you want your not one second of this game was I ever comfortable with anything I was watching. I was I was afraid every snap. I was afraid that one of those tackles, and yeah, it happened a couple of times. Blow that or Baker would get smoked. Uh, of course, I'm always thinking about all that BS with the the media created Odell drama, uh, and then the defense, of course, giving up 37 points. That. Everyone was off that game, and that's why I texted you. And so I was like, "The only way, we, the only place to go up after that, at least that first half, uh, is up." And I'll say that again after that game. After I, every position group played terribly. At wait, I lied. We got to give credit where due. Scottish Hammer had some good punts. Scottish Hammer had some good punts. Been, he's been getting shit on this year. He's had some pretty poor yeah. punts. Uh, he had some good kicks. Uh, so I'm, we got credit where due. Scottish, mm-hmm. come back, baby. Keep this consistency up. Let's go. He needed that. Um, Peoples Jones had a good game. Like, uh, yeah, hundred percent. And that's why I want to say too. And I'm not, we've already got. I can't go on about Baker or his arm or any of that. I just want again to reiterate for the umpteenth million time that you and I have done this on this podcast. He's not coming off that field unless they physically drag him off. He couldn't even. He didn't even stay in the medical tent. He was like, he like walked in and walked out. He's like, all right. He's gonna play until that arm falls off. Okay, that's what I'm going to say. About you. That's the dude we've always been looking for and have always wanted. We finally have it. Also, we're three and three. We're not 0 and six like we have been a thousand other times in our lives. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at the whole. Yeah, you know, who I'm talking to Yeah, you, the idiots on Twitter for the most part. We've been doing this for how long? And you thought I was like, hey, Kevin, why are you? Yeah, shouting well, I just at me? I was, yeah, yeah. But Midway no, through the so, podcast, I thought it was but, a little bit aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? But, yeah, I'm going to get it. Yeah. Your wife starts screaming at me. Baker's season, <laughs> Baker's season passer rating right now is ninety-seven point eight. That ain't I mean, bad. He's not. I mean, guys, that's why the people that that's why we've been doing that inside joke on the that I keep tweeting from the Dogs of War Twitter account. Like anytime something goes wrong during my day, uh, like I burnt my finger yesterday. I just, I just you know, I tweeted burnt my finger. Hashtag Baker's fault. Oh, by the not, way, I here's more armchair quarterback GM guy, coach guy. Um, we got to stop going for the goddamn fourth down conversion. Yeah. When, when we have chip in field goals, put the points on. And if you're going to go for it, do it when you have an offensive line that isn't your fifth string. I, mean, I dude, love the aggressiveness, but I agree. I, I used to until like they've done it so many times. The, the, it, the numbers have not, the return on those attempts have not I'm, been good. Baker's been sacked on like five of them. Yeah. Yeah, like Stefanski, uh, he's got to give up play calling. Here's one more thing. Oh, that all right? Well, I don't, I don't agree with that, but I, that's why we have this podcast. So here's, but I will say, Stefanski till I die. I will, yes, I will, agree. I will ride and die with Stefanski. But here's what I, I guess what I'm questioning, and because I'm hoping someone that knows football a lot better than I do can help me out with this. Let's just talk through the first four series of this game on Sunday, okay? The first drive, we didn't run the ball one time, we punted. The second drive, we ran the ball twice, turnover on downs. Third drive, ran the ball one time, we fumbled. Fourth drive, we ran the ball one time, and then followed by an interception. At that point, we were down 20 to nothing. It was pretty much, have a nice day. Was Stefanski trying to just get cute? Because they know that we have the best rushing attack in the league, and he's like, "I'll just start passing on them, and it'll catch them off guard." We have. The- I, I just, I don't know. And again, because it just seems so simple to me, that's why I just hope someone out there can explain this to me somewhere. The best rushing attack in the league. Uh, there's numerous components to that. One, Chubb, he's out. Hunt, top tier running back, he would be the starter on pretty much every other team but Tennessee. Every team but Tennessee. Yeah. That, that's. I think that's fair to say. Um, they're also the best rushing attack 
when you have your whole line in. Like that offensive line is a big part of that rushing attack. And the play calling, I'm like, well, if we're hurt, can we make some adjustments to mask where our weaknesses are? Um, dude, it was here's my thing. I am Stefanski till I die. But head coaches in general, I don't think there's any reason that they should be calling plays unless they are the best in the world at it by a lot. Get Van Pelt to do it. Get somebody who their sole purpose of thinking on during a game is what's happening on offense. He's the offensive coordinator. He's the offensive guy. Get him to do it or get some kid that is a savant at Madden, some like numbers genius football guy, whatever, to know what to do, how to make adjustments, and think of it as as a game. Stefanski has too much things going on. This isn't a knock against Stefanski. This is because he's a head coach in the NFL. He admitted that, um, what play was it, against uh, the Chargers, where he ran that draw on third and nine. I mean, dude, people wanted to kill Freddie when he did like the what was it like the fourth and nine draw play, uh, Stefanski admitted that he was still hung up about the BS no call by the refs on the play before that. And I get that. We all were. But the person making that play, they can't afford to be – they have to be a robot. A head coach needs to be a head coach. A robot needs to make play calls. Here's why I that's a sick line. That, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm writing that in a book. You should. I'm serious. Here's why I respectfully disagree. The one thing I like about Stefanski, why it's different from Freddie, is because Freddie would do that play and then do it ten more times the next well, ten games. Stefanski is head like, and shoulders above. Well, but Freddie. yeah, but but Stefanski, the reason why I want him to keep going play is because he's so cerebral. That mistake that he may or may not have made in between third and fourth down last week against the Chargers, that will never happen again. And we can confidently say that. We know that much about Stefanski. No, that's not true because he's ran it on fourth and three like eight times when we're in field goal range. I'm talking about the managing of 10 things at once in between. Like he's going to, he has a plan now for next time. And when he's talking to the ref or, and there's got to be a play call, like that's what I'm talking about. But I know, but I'm saying that human error, human mistake, you can't afford to make it. I mean, we all make them. And even if you had a savant play caller, they're going to make mistakes too. But when the head coach is doing head coach things, they're likely to make more of them. And if you're getting fired up, if you're getting into the uh, the emotions of the game or whatever, you're like, ah, oh, it'd be sick if we went for it on fourth and we got it. That's true when you get it. But what if you have the guy who looks at this as a, I'm a robot play calling machine and says a mad you know player what? if we take the points that would benefit us instead of baker getting sacked on fourth down again i and then we can start talking some positives after this because we're not we're not first of all and when we say we're down it's it's the situational so that gets us down like when we have the best running backs ever and they're both hurt uh when you have some of the best athletes on god's green earth as receivers they don't have great like those are the things we're not down or sad on, on on players. We're not feeling hopeless by any means. We're three and three, everyone. That's why, again, I know we've talked about this a lot. This Brown's Twitter stuff, and this is I hope this is the last time I address this. I'll probably forget about it, yeah, it again. Be. Yeah, it's true. It's fair. Guys and girls, everyone. The people that I see a lot of you getting fired up about on Twitter, it's not I'm not talking to you. You have a whole other thing with you. There are <laughs> people with like three or four followers that are intentionally trolling all of Brown's nation, and people just fall for that bait. You got to be smarter than that. I and was that, not and smarter that, than that. People get people just get so angry and they make these things go viral and these thoughts. Guys, Twitter is not real life. Please, the love of Christ Almighty God, Twitter is not real life. Please. Unless there's a blue ch- – actually, I can't even say that. Just – that's all I got to say. I don't know, man. Hey, let's talk positives. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a hell of a game. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a hell of a game. Did you know um, he leads the league in contested catch percentage? Nine for nine. The Hail Mary was badass. He did his job on it, like making that catch in that group, uh, like that scrum in the end zone. Amazing. Well done. But I thought – not the more impressive play, but the more ter- uh, the the play that shows more longevity upside was his other touchdown pass 
when he caught it, took contact on like the five yard line and like willed his way in. That was a grown man's play. And I'm so excited for him. He leads all receivers in the league in passer rating when targeted with 158.3. Also, my uh, my first four drive breakdown earlier, I got to give credit. Uh, Roberto Shenanigans on Twitter is one who broke that down. So I got that from him. So credit, hat tip. I got a question for you. I, wanna, I want your opinion on something that I didn't ask you this beforehand intentionally. Malik Jackson brought into this team, and they say this all the time because he is a very vocal leader, a, a great vet. They love him in the locker room. Today, and then shout out, this is Cameron Justice's tweet. Um, I watched his press conference, but here's a quote provided by her. Malik said, this isn't a nine to five job. To improve, they have to be thinking about the game at all times, at practice, at home, and even, quote, on a date with a girl, they have to be focused on football. So, and then in uh, the, the question that in her article, or uh, was it her article? The question I'm asking you is that him just talking about how you got to be successful in this league in general, or is that him calling out the locker room a little bit? Uh, to, say, to say you got to take this seriously outside of the locker room as well. It could be a little bit of both. I mean, honestly, that's a. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> my ADD ass. I'm like, that's how you become successful in life. Actually, if you're thinking about your job when you're on a date, that's how you have a very unsuccessful marriage. But when you're in the NFL, um, I think so. Maybe. I mean, the guys that thrive, when you make it your obsession around the board, I mean, that's how you, I would imagine it wouldn't hurt your game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, these guys are human beings. Uh, I've done a little bit of coaching bashing lately. It's the most I've ever done it. But I've also... Uh, adjusted my stance on it under no circumstance will I ever bash players um, unless they completely just don't put out, don't give a shit Um, coaching. I'm going to play armchair GM. So I've evolved my stance there. What he said though, I think it makes sense. And I think they do need to embrace it because I'm not saying everything is Joe Woods's fault, but some of these plays are a lack of focus on the defensive side, or maybe it's just like a bizarre scheme that these guys can't keep up with, in which case that's a system problem, but I love it. And miles called a, uh, all players yeah. meeting. So Monday. hopefully, I mean, their hearts are still in it. I'm hoping oh yeah. It For the off. record, I'm not, there's no issues in this locker room. At least that anyone's even made any slight indication of, I just think he was saying that to, to answer the question I asked you, I think he came out and said just as a reminder and to be that veteran leader, like, yo, guys, uh, yeah, we take our business seriously in here, but a reminder, it needs to be 24-7 in the NFL. Can I understand or relate? No, but I'll trust him. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty much the summary of our podcast. Very much so. Um, so we don't know who's playing against the Broncos. Um, I'll tell you what, though. We've seen Dearness De- Johnson several times. I have... Zero concern about him, especially because of Stump Mitchell being that coach back there. Those dudes are going to be ready to roll. Uh, I think we got John Kelly is going to be in there as well. He had a great preseason. He was a blast to watch. Shout out Tennessee. We're going to see what happens. I, I, I don't know if Baker's playing. I don't know if Case is playing. We don't know. That you'll Hopefully, by the time you're listening to this again, we'll have a decision here. But I am in. I have high hopes for Thursday night. Uh, regardless my, the whole two tackles my hopes aren't high first. yet, but they're going to be high tomorrow or at least they'll be Thursday. So I'm still on the upswing. Uh, dude, we got to shout out the, the doctor from that previous episode. Um, it's your uncle for God's sakes. Yeah, I know, but I'm he trying to call him the doctor. Yeah. Well, people don't care that he's my uncle. Um, I mean, my family cares. I care. Uh, yeah. But he's also our resident orthopedic surgeon. Okay, so this is just kind of a cool – it makes us feel like sports journalists or like that really dig in and get the facts. He was saying that Baker's arm couldn't be dislocated with a partially torn labrum. Like the only way it's dislocated is if it's completely torn. And we're like, oh, so are you calling everyone a liar? And he said well, – we didn't ask it that dramatically, but he basically said, all I'm saying is it can't be partially torn. If it was dislocated – yeah, it's, it's it black and white. Torn. If it was partially torn, it wasn't completely dislocated. Not that that really matters because it's like 
you know, it's like not, we don't know what to hey, do with that shout data. Out, shout out Uncle Buddy. Um, and then Baker was like, yeah, it's been fully torn since that second game. And it's like, holy shit, good call, Uncle Buddy. Hey, tell you what, you guys come for the, the lame jokes, the good memes, and uh, the world-class medical advice and opinions. And you stay for the very specific uh, details and difference between a torn, partially torn, and dislocated freaking non-throwing shoulder, whatever. Good job, Uncle Buddy. For Let's go, Browns. For Thursday, uh, let's get back to basics. Let's see if we can get Odell his first touchdown. Let's get Jarvis back for some slot work. Uh, Dear Ernest, let's have him go off. All easier said than done. But come on, y'all start putting out in the universe with me. I have nothing else I want to say about Arizona Cardinals. I want I buried that in a box. I buried it in my backyard. And we're going to talk about Denver Broncos with a special guest coming up. Anything you wanted to finish on about Arizona? Um, the, oh. Baker, the Baker chant after the medical tent was sick. I like that. Yes. Uh, one more thing I will say, um, and just uh, kind of a, a lighthearted, funny thing is Miles had to get blood tests today for HGH. Dude, I, I've been laughing about that, but I'm also like, God, don't test positive. Because you think about like, what are some of those? Because there's 4 billion different things out there you can take and some things come up as things they really aren't. Like that's my biggest fear is like a false positive. But I don't think he's on anything. I think it would have been found out a long time ago now. I just want to, what I wonder is what would he look like with HGH or steroids? Yeah. Can you imagine? Like a slightly more ripped version of himself now. But like he already is like laughably jacked like his muscles have muscles he has a 15 pack on his stuff like what to think of him on steroids i can't wrap my head around him any bigger yeah it's uh but but it is weird that they keep testing him it's because he keeps oh they're not random tests they're not random tests at all so i was a raptor play which also shows that the league is just constantly screwing with us 100 the pat mcafee show they were talking about it last week and this week uh these these are not random drug tests ever so um, all right, we have coming up an interview with our friend Cameron from the Mainly Broncos podcast. He's also a writer for Predominantly Orange. He is going to be helping us break down and preview tomorrow night's game against the Broncos at First Energy Stadium. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, we now welcome on a very special guest. We have one of the co-hosts from the Mainly Broncos podcast, our friend Cameron, who also writes for Predominantly Orange, here to help us break down, preview tomorrow night's game. You're listening to this on a Wednesday against the Denver Broncos. Cam, thanks for joining us, and welcome to Dogs of War. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. Obviously, uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely not the circumstances we as Bronco fans you know, certainly would have wanted uh you know, maybe for for Raiders fans, I guess going into the Bronco game, you know, you could you could probably per, per or script the perfect storm. But uh, you know, uh, for us, you know, in our own building, and the last three weeks, it's everything's going up in flames. So, but I'm doing good I'm, overall. I'm doing <laughs> good. Right, well, good. Wait, wait, who are you talking to? Like, if I had, <laughs> <laughs> um, our I, whole um, team's injured right now, actually. So I, I saw your guys' injury report, and I I had to I actually had to laugh because it was like you could literally make a your an, an own like fifty three man roster based off of the injury report. You can. I think Clowney <laughs> has like five different body parts listed. It was like head, chest, leg, arm. It's incredible. So yeah, that's that's one of the more comical, well not comical, but still comical injury reports you'll ever see. Yeah. Yeah. No uh, kidding. So mainly Broncos podcast, that's M-A-N-E-L-Y Broncos, another great podcast name. Uh, How did mainly Broncos start and how did you start writing for predominantly orange? Like what's your, your, uh, your quick recap on your fandom and then getting into reporting about the team? So uh, start first with probably orange since that was the first, uh, first gig, literally uh, right out of college. Um, So I graduated college and, you know, I I just needed something, you know, to, to kind of get the name out there. And I started in uh, 2016, literally right after uh, the Broncos won the Super Bowl. Um, And uh, I just needed something and, uh, you know, just had been a part of that ever since and uh, was hoping to get something uh, in the radio realm uh, at that particular point in time. Cause I went in for, uh, you know, motion media journalism, that kind of thing. And, um, just, uh, just decided to pursue something with motion media in essence radio. And with that, I ended up, uh, finding something 
more in the podcast realm to kind of get the feet wet. And I've just really loved to just being associated with podcasts ever since. And so um, just over time through different podcasts that I've created or such like that, I uh, came across a guy uh, that I ended up friending uh, through predominantly orange. And to be clear, that's a Broncos blog website. It is. Okay, it, it, yeah. is a, it is a Broncos. People listening know what we're talking about here. It's not a, yeah. it's not a Browns blog. It's a Broncos no. blog. <laughs> no, even though the, <laughs> even, the hell away from them. <laughs> I was going to say, even though the BRO is about the same for the Browns. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, we are associated with fans sided. So predominantly orange is associated with fans sided. So, so are we. That's uh, our network. Yeah. yeah. So it is. Uh, it, it sort of helps, you know, to, to kind of keep it within, you know, network and you know keep it in within the brand but i mean um for for in terms of mainly though yeah it was just a buddy that um i sort of hit it off with uh, with predominantly orange we just were figuring out some names and he came up with you know the horse's mane because of m-a-n-e yeah and and so it's just like yeah well so why don't we just go with mainly broncos and then sure enough we ended up uh bringing on zach uh, zach seegers a really up-and-coming guy that does a lot of really good stuff for mile high sports we brought him along this year and it's taken off ever since we're now a part of the mile high sports network. So it's taken off ever since. Love to hear it. So I got to say, and I mean this with all due respect, I'm really sick of you guys three years in a row. Now I know you're probably sick of us. It's been, you talk about completely opposite, different games every single year, coaches, teams, every situations, records, everything. But to talk about your guys this year, this year, um, I guess before we jump into the you guys being three and three right now, your last few weeks coming into this year, uh, you know, you have Teddy under center now, Teddy Bridgewater. What were your expectations? What kind of predictions did you have for this season? And where are you now after six weeks? Disregard the, the last three weeks slide you guys are on. Or don't. Um, <laughs> right. Or don't. That's an important caveat right there. Or don't. <laughs> um, I would say coming into the regular season, I was a little bit wanted to go in with a more of an open mind. I was because there was a quarterback battle for all intents and purposes. I was on the team lock side of things, um, but Ooh. you know, uh, but uh, but as far as the the Bridgewater side, uh, you know, once Bridgewater got named starter, and with what we had seen in preseason, it was like okay, you know, he was named starter. He was at least looking good in preseason, uh, you know he got named starter. So let's rally around him, you know, like let's support the kid. And then he ended up uh, going three and O and actually playing phenomenal football. I mean, you guys came out hot. I mean, yeah, regardless of the fact that it was uh, the opponents and everything, the way that Bridgewater was playing was just almost like, if this is the kind of play that's going to be continuing with Teddy, the Broncos team is going to be really tough to beat. Um, And then I'm, it ended up being a complete mirage. Uh, You know, I mean, uh, just, basically the same old crap that's been going on for this team. And and it's all been head by the coaching staff and the, the quarterback position. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater has just sort of regressed significantly every single week and really lost a lot of his playmaking and everything out of the pocket in the pocket uh, from the first three weeks. And it's just really snowballed. The defense is not the same uh, from what we had seen the first three weeks. They're giving up big play after big play, which is a huge Vic Fangio staple. Uh, I mean, I think they're last in or second to last or in the bottom tier as far as some of the big plays that's being allowed uh, in the international football. Uh, which is, you're probably right there with us then. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a, this might be a really good game. We're um, just talking. It's like talking, yeah. looking in the mirror right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I saw on Sunday that Teddy got hit 17 times. He got sacked five times. You guys played the Raiders. Which, by the way, side note, I forgot how much you guys hate each other, the Raiders and the Broncos. Yeah. Um, was that uh, – what's what I'm looking for? Was that the worst he's been hit all season? Has the O-line been like that all year? Like that – That was he got his ass kicked on Sunday. Yeah, he did. And actually that's been – So did our quarterback, uh, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, your quarterback's been dealing with like injury after injury and yeah. injury, and who knows if he's going to be so able to So we say that from a place of respect, of course, yeah. Well, and I will, I will gladly say I will still take an injured Baker Mayfield over over Teddy Bridgewater at this point. I will gladly take take Baker um, over uh, over that. But uh, no, it it has definitely been a huge theme uh, for this team and for the for the offensive line. Um, you know, the offensive line certainly they're 
expected to be good, at least you would imagine under Mike Munchak, because Mike Munchak is, you know, well-regarded in this business. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Fame coach. You would expect the results that you would have seen. And right now, they're just not doing well. Um, the run the run game is just not there at all. And then, you know, Ted, you got even Teddy kind of, you know, making things worse of holding the ball too long. I think he's near the bottom or sorry, I at the top as far as, you know, like holding the ball too long. He's the and second most pressured QB in the league. That and he also holds on to the ball too long. I think he's one of the most uh, one of the one of those top quarterbacks that holds the ball way, way too long. And um there was there were so many instances in the game against the Raiders where there if there was a glimmer of a window that he should have hit, say Cortland Sutton deep, he should have hit him a lot sooner. Um so I mean it was just it was just those cases where yeah, the offensive line has definitely not helped matters in terms of Teddy Bridgewater getting destroyed. <laughs> um, but also, Teddy's not helping matters by holding the ball too long at all. You guys started the season out three wins. You went Giants, Jaguars, Jets, 3-0. and Hot start. And then the last three games, you guys lost to the Ravens, Steelers, and Raiders. Now you're 3-3 three and three just like us. Now, obviously, if that was flipped – there'd be much bigger problems in Denver, obviously. You guys lost to some good teams. What is yeah, – we talk about the theme being in the O-line, um, Teddy holding on to the ball. Did anything – can you guys put your finger on one or two? Was it a bunch of injuries? Like what happened to go on that slide? Can you put your one thing or a couple things on it or no? I'll just roll with everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just roll with everything. That's fair. Um, and here's the sad part. Um, when everything is attributed in that regard, who's the most person to blame in that regard? The head coach, Vic. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's it's hard because you want to be like you want to save face and everything, and, and you know, with the the head coach and everything. But it's like if you watch the Raiders game either on TV or in person. It just looked like the defense felt just really uninspired and the offense really felt uninspired and everything just really just snowballed. And at that particular point in time, it just looked like the team just gave up and that they that Vic Fangio had just lost the locker room. And I don't know if that was just because of with the way that the, a former uh, NFC North you know, team, should I say, is, I don't, I don't know if it's just because of the, the NFC North, you know, team that we played before uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens kicked, kicked our butts in that game. And then Vic Fangio decided to throw a hizzy fit for no reason. Uh, you know, when the, you know, near the end of it and being like, Oh, why did they run up when, well, if you stopped them to begin with, why didn't you, you know, you would never be in that position. So it's just like, so I, I think at that particular point in time, I just think that the players, you know, and just coaches just beyond that, I I just think that a lot of it is just snowball to where Vic Fangio's not cutting it, Pat Shermer's not cutting it, and we all know sometimes it isn't necessarily the head coach that gets fired first. There's a scapegoat involved, which means that either Pat Shermer, Tom McMahon, you know, those are probably your top two candidates to get fired and. It's from everything that we're hearing from the tea leaves. It sounds like there could be a shakeup after this game. Regardless, or obviously if you guys would lose. My guess is if it was a loss. Um, and it honestly could even result in a bigger shakeup, um, meaning we could actually see a Drew Locke show. Oh, wow. We know Shermer very well in Cleveland. Dang, yeah. It, was he as bad as he was here? <laughs> it lasted a year. Two years, <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. I mean, done a lot list of a a very proud fraternity of coaches that lasted a year. Real proud, yeah, right, right. Actually, like, enough to like, be a standing army for a small country. But right. now, what you there's uh, I mean, me and Kevin haven't are are going to do our segment here uh, shortly. But same things are kind of being said, uh, particularly. I think our scapegoat right now is. Would you agree with this, Kevin? Is Joe Woods? Yeah. Oh, it's, I know about him all too well. Yeah. Um, I'm like, and I'm not even saying it's his fault necessarily, but holy shit. Like, we think we have talent. I think we have talent, guys, that have yes. shown that they can produce on other teams. 
we have rookies that know how to look like they can play. And it's like, do something different so that we win. It's been Thursday very strange. In every other game. It's, it's been very been, uh, strange. Kind of a yeah. kick in the. So on your guys' side, was it like almost like a spinning image on the defensive side of things then from what the Broncos are seeing? Like just the, the, the maybe the defense is just sort of giving up on Woods because. Uh, let me let me see if I'm let me see if I can compare it to the Broncos right now. Uh, we have we have a Von Miller and Miles Garrett. Two shout technically. out both A and M. Yeah, we Javen Clownish. We have our we have our Von two Vons. Um, I think you guys have been struggling in the safety with the safeties a little bit this year. I mean, that's uh, where our big yeah, weaknesses yeah, I, right I, now is our I, safeties. I'd say it's probably associated with the corners and the, you know, the what is it, the the corners and the safeties. Um, and I, I think that for for like the back end, like let's just say Justin Simmons, a lot of it's just more trying to make plays and create plays and you know do things to sort of overcompensate and to you know make up for some of the deficiencies sometimes of of you know someone else. So I. And he's at, he's definitely got that athleticism to do it, but I think at times when you watch the film and stuff like that, it might look like oh Simmons is way out of position when he's actually you know over on the other side helping another you know corner that he was asked to to probably cover up for, if you will. I think if I were to sum it up, like our jeez, uh, game one we lose to the Chiefs. Our defense, I thought actually, you know, they still gave up over 31 points, but Mahomes is going to get his. Yeah. Um, they bended. They never broke. It was a hard-fought game. I didn't have too many complaints leaving it. Uh, they looked kind of weak against Houston, but we were able to outscore them. So it's like, all right, let's regroup. Then we demolished the Bears and had a, a true defensive win against the Vikings uh, in Minnesota. So we're like, all right. The defense has shown up. Let's get this going. And against the Chargers in L.A., the offense put up 42 points, and we somehow lost. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's like, okay. And the past two games, there have been more plays where it's like, wow, that receiver could not have been more incredibly alone. And it's like, what the hell? is going on. I don't, I was always a little bit Joe Woods for some reason is known as like, what is it? A three safety guy or a four safety guy or something yeah. along the lines of that. So he's been waiting for his players and you know, he got the, the, the pass last year, but I've always kind of, this is a Connor line bending players to your defense or bending players to your scheme. Isn't the ways to go about it. Mm-hmm. bend your scheme to your defense, to the players that you have. I mean, their injuries are such a crapshoot in the NFL. It's yeah. like, these guys are athletes. Use your strengths and stop playing a soft zone every play. But there have been more frustrating, like, good defensive stands where something just gets blown out of the water, whether it's a penalty, which the refs, that's a different story, or the defense completely folding in the secondary and it's like what the hell happened um and then i don't know it's been you know kind of injuries don't doesn't help the cause for any team but every team's dealing with that and now there's 17 games so still a lot of season left but this seems like it's gonna be a pretty pivotal couple couple of weeks for sounds like both of our teams yeah locker room really yeah and speaking of morale, while we're on the topic of Von Miller, great press conference today. Yes. I th- and I really mean I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, for those of you that don't know, haven't seen the clip or the, the headlines yet, Von Miller said during his interview today something along the lines of, I don't know what tackle I'm lining up against because I don't think we do either at the moment. Uh, but he <laughs> said, and I quote, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. I love that kind of talk. Yeah. I love it. Um, you know, your defense, you're still near the top of QB pressure. You guys are still getting yours. Vaughn's got four and a half sacks this season. He was obviously, and still is, a big name, but obviously it was a much bigger name you know, in years past, and he got hurt. What is, obviously, four and a half sacks is elite, but besides Vaughn Miller, who are the other big names? Who are the other big contributors on the defensive side? 
You know, um, I would just say on the defensive front, um, you know, really, and I, I think that uh, there are a few, uh, there, there are a few players, um, uh, two, in fact, I would just say that's probably not a household name. One for sure um, is definitely not a household name, and one that probably will be at some point. And actually, he's from Ohio. He's actually from Ohio State, and that would be Draymond Jones. Um, I think that Draymond Jones um, is a player that I, I think is really close to just getting up to that tier. Now, um, I, I think there's some arguments that he might might be maybe the best interior guy or one of the better defensive linemen for this Broncos team at this particular point in the season. He's just a really freaky player. Um, and he ever was ever since from coming from Ohio state, like you could play him at end, you could play him like inside, like you could, you could do a lot of different things with him. And he had a lot of different, you know, pass rush ability to get to a quarterback. So he's just like this athletic freak um, that you were expected to give him to Vic Fangio and do something with. But I mean, you know, uh, there's just a, a bunch of other things that just, you know, have snowballed, of course, with the back end. But Mike Purcell is probably the guy, I would say, is probably the underrated guy of that other group that not a lot of people know about. He's like your true nose tackle. I always call him, and I guess it's because of the hair. When you guys see him, he's number 98. But when you see him, it almost looks like visually like you're looking at Domata Peco again. Like, oh, wow. uh, um, but I mean, just the way that he is presence wise, he has the ability to suck up double teams. He has the ability to really be an impact just the way that he, he can soak up that double team and open opportunities for guys like Draymond Jones and, you know, Shelby Harris and, uh, Von Miller. So, I mean, the defensive line is probably at this particular point, maybe their, their, their strong suit. Although, um, it, which is again funny because if you were to tell me at the start of the season what would the strongest suit be it would be their cornerback room um and i mean I, i'm not going to say i'm surprised to say like a guy like a pat sertan is probably their best cornerback because he will be their best cornerback at some point i just didn't expect it to be now you know um yeah he's a freak yeah so uh but no yeah i, I just would say that the defensive line is is really where the team is really going to make their stay but uh the thing is that it's just so frustrating because on the defensive side of the ball, they have athletes. Like it's, it's the thing with, with, with Cleveland, like I'm actually butthurt that I can't see one of the guys that I wanted in the draft, which was Jeremiah Wosu Koromoa because like, I, I, I hurt. <laughs> no, like, like I, I really wanted to see him play because he was a guy that I was pounding the table for because he was a guy that I was trying to tell people for the longest time that he is a linebacker and he's not a, you know, he's not a safety or he's not a guy that you can, you know, do different things with. And he's a linebacker and he's a really damn good linebacker at that. So, I mean, it's just like, so you put him in a really good scheme. He's going to be able to flourish and he's flourished ever since when he got to Cleveland. He'll be missed. He's been very fun to watch. It's very fun to watch a player line up on one side of the field and then make a tackle on the other side, not even three seconds later. He just, he, he, my biggest surprise with him was, was his speed for sure. Um, on the flip side of the ball, talk about Teddy a little bit, talk about the O-line a little bit. Cortland Sutton, speaking of freaks, is a freak. Mm -hmm. uh, currently leading the league, most targets without a drop by any wide receiver in the NFL. So Cortland, Javante Williams, you said the run game hasn't been great, but with him, Javante Williams, who are the guys you're going to be looking for on Thursday night to make plays and put some points up? I would just say the running game, uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams have looked good. It's just... You could say it falls back on Pat Shermer um, and the offensive line, but it just it, it goes to the incompetence and not having a, an identity, like not having an identity on the offensive side of the ball, meaning everything we were told heading up to this season was it didn't matter who your quarterback was. You should be going off a of play action, 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 and we're not even seeing anything close to that. Like it's just it's, you know, so I mean – there, Shermer has clearly abandoned the running game at times, and or most of the time, I should say. And so, a lot of I'd say Gordon and Javante's struggles is just I would just say a lot of the reps and because consistency of the offensive line. Sutton is absolutely a freak, and I actually I'll even throw Tim Patrick in that regard because I think that Tim Patrick, um, you put him on some certain teams. There's an argument I think to be made he could be a wide receiver on some teams the way that he is and consistent and 
he also, uh, I think he has like one drop or two drops this year, but I mean, even he himself is consistent. So with Jerry Judy's absence, I mean, he, both he and Sutton have really stepped up big and Sutton is a guy that's in line for a contract extension. I'm hoping he gets a contract extension. Um, you know, the Broncos are going to have a buttload of money get rolled over in the soft season. So they'll at least have some flexibility to work with, but he is absolutely a freak. I mean, you're not going to see a lot of guys. There's a stat today that I saw. I think he's the fastest wide receiver next to like Tyreek Hill and um, a bunch of others that are, that are, that run like 20 some miles an hour um, or, or something like that. That's just, that's freakishly athletic stuff. Like uh, I remember back when he was drafted, um, what was it? Uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Chris Harris Jr. I think called him baby Megatron. And um, obviously that's really, really high uh, lefty, you know, lofty praise. But yeah. when, you see, when you see the size and you see the, his ability to be able to stiff arm and free, uh, free himself from defenders and stuff like that and create extra yak. I mean, he's just a nightmare. Like he's an absolute nightmare. And I, I would, between he and once Jerry Judy comes back, I, I think that, you know, hopefully, we can kind of see a semblance of an offense a little bit. What is the deal with Jerry Judy? Everyone, a lot of people are going to know that name, but again, for a lot of people, uh, if they're not on the Browns, they're not going to follow him pros. He's been out for the whole, not the whole year, whole year? You could say whole year. He was actually injured in the Giants game. But I mean, yeah, he was, so you could say whole year. Okay. But um, I saw him walk out of the tunnel um, after the, uh, the the Raiders game. He looks okay. Uh, it sounds like there's a slight chance, but we all know typically whenever coaches say there's a slight chance that a player's going to play, he's never he's not going to play. Um, you know, um, so there's an opportunity he plays against uh, against Washington, who's another team that's flopped this year <laughs> defensively. Um, but I mean, yeah, he's just a guy that had a really good game against the New York Giants, and frankly, arguments sake, he was probably our best offensive player in training camp and preseason. Jerry Judy was. Fantastic. I mean, the Minnesota Vikings, when we had joint practice from everything I heard from a lot of the media members uh, that were down there, no one could cover them. Like, and that was the same for anybody that was in camp, which turns out no one can, the, our secondary can't even cover anyone. So, <laughs> but I mean, no, so, so he is, he has definitely been missed. And I, I think for argument's sake, there will be a lot of arguments, I think, with the production of Sutton back. And then if Jerry Judy can hit his stride, the Broncos will have a pretty, dynamic duo slash trio if you will one when when jerry judy comes back how do you guys beat us on thursday night i know that can maybe take some more thought i, I, didn't, I didn't give you this pre-show no but uh, i was just gonna say you know for, for even your guys sake and argar's sake it might be a boring Thursday night game to some people hey we uh, might have lock uh, versus uh, uh yeah keenum so which is uh, the wild. No one had that on their bingo card, a Keenum revenge game. But I mean, um, <laughs> but I, yeah, um, I was just going to say what I would do is everything that they should have done to begin the season. And for your guys' sake, even with the loss of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb is to establish a running game. <laughs> like even like, you know, so I, I would imagine that we're going to see a lot of runs. Hopefully, I mean, like on our side, like hopefully see a lot of runs, establish the running game. Um, you know, and probably see some short passes to neutralize the pass rush of, uh, of Jadavion Clowney and, and Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett scares the crap out of me. Uh, like even, me too. even, oh, I mean, what is he, he jog, got? He jogged by me at the airport one time and I almost threw up, but he got tested again, didn't he? He got tested he again. Got, he got blood tests today. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. So now he's no longer going, he's no longer going sleeveless. He's bringing yeah. the, he's bringing the sleeves. Unbe- and so, unbelievable. Yeah. So, um, I, I will say, uh, I'm expecting probably the Broncos to uh, run the football, but you know, I'll actually just be point blank because of how the last three weeks have gone and just how pathetic it's been. I just don't see the Broncos in any game, this one or any game, maybe aside from the Detroit Lions, where they can actually go into a game and win. You know, I'm not by obviously I'm going to pick the Browns so I have to but I don't know if you realize how injured this team truly is right now I, man like no, I, you're no. just uh, yeah I, our whole team is on the injury report right now yeah no no and I'm with you guys like I, I I'm with you like seeing the injury report but it's just like seeing that and then seeing us lose to a Raiders team that 
literally lost their head coach to calam like catastrophic calamity reasons, whatever. And us laying the biggest possible egg in your home stadium, in your divisional opponent, and for a head coach that already had blunders himself in Week 17 against this team and bringing it back once again against this team for a team that is head coachless, it's just really hard for me to put belief in this team that they can actually go out. So I, I, I'm with you. Like Logically, I seeing the, the roster, seeing everything unfold, and seeing on paper with where we should be, I should pick the Broncos, but it's so just then like, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like again, I'm not saying you should be by no by no means. Right, am I right. saying you're guaranteed, but I'm saying I, I would just I would have thought that you'd be a little more encouraged by looking at because I know if I look at another team and saw they had fifty got fifty three right. guys out of fifty four in the injury report, I'd be like, oh shit, right? Yeah, and I it's just I guess that's just one of those frustrating things to just like, and, and maybe that's just more of the the pessimistic side of me that. After what I'd seen on Sunday, that is still sitting in on, you know, recording this on Tuesday, but it's just like, you know, that's still setting in, but it's just like, it's one of those things that just like, I don't know, man. It's just that, like, it's still hard for me to just put my head around everything that's gone on uh, with this football team. And yeah, I mean, when, when you have a head coach, Vic Fangio, now granted, this is his first head coaching gig, whatever, but he has like 30 to 40 years of head coaching experience. And you lay the biggest egg against a divisional opponent with no head coach. I don't know. That puts you about on the biggest hot seat as known to man at that particular point. So, Raleigh, do you have any any further questions? I was going to get the predictions. No, I'm I'm just been trying to think of everything he said of how they should win. I'm like, the Browns got to do the same thing. Quick, short passes. Like, I don't want to see us getting the rubbing the running game established. Uh, I mean, without Chubb and Hunt, that's one thing, but without a right and left tackle, I think that's the bigger loss of the two. Um, And I don't know. Just like they, both of our teams, this is a pretty big game for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, May the better Browns win, I guess. (laughs) BRO. Yeah. Uh, let's do some predictions here. Uh, Cameron, you are the guest. We'll start with you. What are you thinking for Thursday night football, Denver Broncos versus Cleveland Browns? Uh, I won't say that the total, I won't say that the total yards, but you know, for both our teams will be 125 yards. I won't, I won't say that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Cause that would be, that would be very fitting for a Thursday night football game. It truly would. (laughs) Um, no, I, I will say that Cortland Sun continues his, uh, his, his theme. Um, and uh, I will actually, I will say that this will probably be the game where we do see a little bit more of Noah Fant in the passing game uh, with the loss of Jeremiah Wilson Koromoa. I've been a little frustrated with Fant. That's sort of a sidebar, but I've been a little frustrated with Fant just as a blocker. Uh, but we all know, and Browns fans all know, uh, what he can do after the catch. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, he's definitely a freakishly good tight end when you can get him the ball. And with Jeremiah Osu Kormoa, the guy that probably would have been on him, it's probably a nice little matchup to certainly exploit uh, if you're Shermer. Knock on wood. But anyway, I would just uh, – and then I, I think that we'll get a little bit of uh, a running game going, and I'll say that the that we'll be really close to a 100-yard rusher. And I'll say that Javante gets his 100 yards. What about a score? 20-10 to 10 Browns. I'm keeping it consistent with my podcast. Goes to show my twenty-eight to ten. Yeah, that this is the first time we've had Raleigh. Is the first guest has not picked their team by a blowout margin. Wow! Literally goes to show you how pessimistic I am about this. Yeah, I was actually not going to do my normal thing of predicting <laughs> the blowout because it hasn't been working. Um, I'll go twenty-eight ten Browns. I got oh, this is going to be some weird, stupid score. So I'm going to go like twenty-two twenty Browns. I've always wondered how those those people do those like weird scores. Not not saying like you know you were doing it on purpose like those guys, but I always wonder like, that Twitter because, account. That's yeah, like yeah, like when they do those like weird scores, like you know for for on game days, like the the Broncos are going to win, you know, nineteen to like fifteen. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, sports journalism is not real. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's like 
it's just the dumbest thing ever. And it's like, yeah. oh, really? You pick an obscure number, right? You idiots. Yeah. <clears throat> well, pray on all that is holy. Both of us have a injury yes. last Thursday night because I, I, we literally can't have any more injuries on this team. Um, We're about Cam, to suit up, Kevin. Yeah, no, we are, really are. Cam, this has been great. Again, truly appreciate you joining us. Cam is the co-host of the Mainly Broncos podcast, also writes over at Predominantly Orange. He is a fellow fan-sided family member. Um, this has been great. We're going to have all his contact info in the episode description, all of that. But thanks again, sir. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. And, um, you know, it was, it was definitely a blast. I, I talked to you uh, before. You know, it gets uh, a little boring at times to talk about your own team weekly. <laughs> or should I say every it's single year? It up. Yeah. But it's definitely good to, to change things up, talk about another team, even though, you know, your your team's mixed in. But it's nice to talk about another team. Uh, one, one guy I will say that it's been a huge draft crush. I hope he balls out on Thursday is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Thank you. You and us both. <laughs> us too. You're the most <laughs> considerate guest we've had. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, again, thank you again, sir, for our guest, Cameron, for Raleigh, for myself. Thanks for listening to Dogs of War Podcast, and good night, Cleveland. Just slinging the ball around Oh yeah, it's Tim Couch That man is jacked And that's a fact Hell of a quarterback Oh yeah, it's Tim Couch This enough, everybody knows This is how the story goes Without the ones like you Who work tirelessly to keep things running Everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.